And before I get on to the Bible teaching, I just want to remind you that we do what? We wear a tie so that we can make an impact. That means we're constantly analyzing, right? We're troubleshooting, we're implementing, we're empowering and impacting the women in our homes, in our communities and around the world. And the quickest and easiest way for you to be able to get that done is to do what? To hit the like button and to share this message of value, right? To those people that you love, that you care about, and that you appreciate. And so without further ado, I am going to go on to the Bible teaching. Number one, the first reason, the first way, you know you got a power and insecurity cocktail of narcissism is you become willful, right? And you start thinking like the things that other people value it's not valuable to you, right? This ain't nothing. I don't care about that, right? You become willful when you've been told to do something. That lust of the flesh takes you after whatever it is that you're after. And then whatever anybody else cares about, you don't care about. You just thought, oh, that ain't nothing of value. I don't care about that. That's how you know, number one, you become willful in regards to what? Doing things that is for the benefit of everybody else and that's not for the benefit of yourself, right? And in 1 Samuel 15, 7 through 10, uh, it tells us about what happened when Saul became willful, right? And it even, God gave him instructions and I'm gonna read from 1 Samuel 15, one all the way through, uh, first I'm gonna read one all the way through six. So you can see what it is God told Saul to do, for Samuel to tell Saul to do. Then I'm going to read verses 7 through uh, 11 so you can see what the end result of that was, right? So in the beginning, it says what? Samuel told Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people Israel. Now listen to the words of the Lord. This is what the Lord of armies says. I witnessed what the Amalekites did to the Israelites when they opposed them along the way as they were coming out of Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites and completely destroy everything they have. Do not spare them. Kill men and women, infants and nursing babies, oxen and sheep, camels and donkeys. Then Saul summoned the troops and counted them at Telah, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and set up an ambush in the Wadah. He warned the Kenites, since you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came out of Egypt, go on and leave. Get away from the Amalekites or I'll sweep you away with them. So the Kenites withdrew from the Amalekites. Then Saul struck down the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is next to Egypt, right? So this is telling all of what God wanted him to do to get rid of all of them. Don't leave anything. Don't leave any of their belongings, right? The instructions were plain and simple, right? But then what happened is that Saul decided to do what it was he wanted to do. He became willful, right? I'm going to start reading from verse 8 all the way down to 11. He captured King Agag of Amalek alive, but he completely destroyed all the rest of the people with the sword. So he captured King Agag alive. 
That was not the commandment of the Lord. That was not in the instructions at all, right? And then it says, Saul and the troops spared Agag and the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and choice animals, as well as the young rams and the best of everything else. Those were not in the instructions at all. <laughs> they weren't instructions either. God told him to destroy everything, right? Everything. All the Amalekites, everything that belonged to them, right? And it says on, further on, it says they were not willing to destroy them. They means Saul and his troops, right? That's who they is, right? But they did destroy all the worthless and unwanted things. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king. For he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. So Samuel became angry and cried out to the Lord all night. So think about that. <laughs> he was told to get rid of all the Amalekites and their possessions, right? He decides to spare King Agag. And then him and his troops decide to spare the best and the choice animals, right? But they decided that they were the stuff that was uh, worthless and unwanted, that they would go ahead and destroy that, right? And it goes back to number one, point number one, you become willful, right? When you got a power and insecurity cocktail going on, you're heading toward narcissism. You're, you become willful, right? When you know you are becoming willful, you know you're heading toward that narcissism cocktail, right? That collective narcissism, individual narcissism, cultural narcissism, generational narcissism, you headed to that cocktail, right? And so what happens is that that lust of the flesh ends up having you do whatever it is you feel that your flesh is telling you to do, right? And then you look at other things that you've been told to do. Oh, that ain't nothing. I don't care about that. What's that anyway? They ain't nothing to me. I don't care about that. I don't want that. And it's like, what in the world? Why do you have to have this type of attitude? So when you see yourself having this type of attitude about stuff, start checking yourself. Is it grief telling you? to all of a sudden not care about things like that, that you feel like if you have that type of attitude about something, you're escaping the emotions that's associated with caring about it or that loss? Is it grief and unresolved trauma that's making you do that? Is it narcissism? Right? Are you headed towards that cultural and spiritual, uh, the spirituality of a narcissism? Is that where you're headed, right? But number one is you become willful when you got that power and insecurity cocktail. You know that you got that going on when you become willful. And the thing about it, when you got narcissists or people that's narcissistic and, or, and or they got toxic traits, right? You find yourself crying out to God for them like Samuel did. You find yourself crying out to him, asking him to spare them or to keep them in the position they're in. Even when they're what? Walking around with this fearful uh, anxiety going on and destroying other people because of it. They're acting out of fear, lashing out. That's a trauma symptom out of fear, causing all kind of chaos and confusion because of their insecurity, toxic envy, toxic jealousy, all of this from a state of fear. But you are what? Crying out to God for this individual. You want to keep this man in your life. And a lot of times that's what ends up happening. People destroy us. They're destroying them pieces out of us, the mess out of us right? Like a ravenous wolf or lion. And we're still what? Begging God to be able to stay in that relationship, to keep it going, right? We want the relationship to remain status quo 
as they're tearing us apart and we're enabling them, helping them along the way to do it, right? And so Samuel became angry because God was like he was done with him and he cried out to the Lord all night. And that's what we often do after all of this stuff. Okay, I'm done with him or her, right? We crying out to the Lord, help me, Lord. If, if you get me out of this, I never do it again. Then we crying out to God when he said, okay, that's it. You done with this person, right? I'm removing them from the position, from that role that they got in your life. They'll be crying out to him and begging him not to do it. Number two, the second way you know that that power and insecurity cocktail is getting you headed toward narcissism. After disobeying, you exalt yourself instead of humbling yourself and repenting, right? You erecting a monument for yourself, having yourself uh, posted in a newspaper article, flaunting your sin, being having a television or YouTube appearance or Instagram appearance, TikTok appearance, flaunting your sin. After we've said that we've done something horribly wrong, it's time to sit down and reflect. It's time to what? Well, do what I call have a be still in no moment. When we flaunting it and uh, uh, bragging about it, that's arrogance, right? And it shows you that you have lack of self-awareness. Lack of self-awareness, right? And it's arrogance, right? And in 1 Samuel 15, 12, it says, early in the morning, Samuel got up to confront Saul. But it was reported to Samuel, Saul went to Carmel, where he set up a monument for himself. Then he turned around and went to Gilgal. <laughs> right? So they gave Samuel the report, like, Saul ain't here. He, he, he's over there. He's too busy setting up a monument for himself. Like he did something good. <laughs> then he went to Gilgal. And I know Samuel probably was thinking, what in the world? Set up a monument for himself? Who does that? Right? Monuments are set up to commemorate people a lot of times after they're dead and gone. But you don't do it for yourself. Someone else does it and honors you, even if they do it while you are alive. But you do it yourself? That's very arrogant. Very arrogant and very narcissistic. Right? Number three, so number one was you become willful. Number two, after disobeying, you exalt yourself instead of humbling yourself and repenting. Number three, you become self-deceived. Self-deceived is the opposite of self-awareness, right? That self-deception is the opposite of self-awareness, right? You start speaking godly language like everything is status quo. Oh, God is good. I'm blessed and highly favored. And you just went and caused all kind of chaos and confusion in your family. All kind of chaos and confusion in the department at your job. All kind of chaos and confusion, confusion with your business and the people, you, your employees. All kind of chaos and confusion in the ministry, right? The ministry uh, that you got going on. There's all kind of chaos, confusion everywhere you go. And you are, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And God is going, <laughs> yeah, you blessed and highly favored, you're a fool. A self-deceived fool. And then in 1 Samuel 15, verse 13, it says, When Samuel came to him, Saul said, May the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Now Saul was acting like nothing ever happened, right? Number three, you become self-deceived, like I said. Number four, you blame shift. That's how you know you are drinking the power and what? Insecurity toxic cocktail headed towards narcissism. You blame shift number four, right? And it says what? 
1 uh, Samuel 15, verse 15, Saul answered, the troops brought them back from the Malachites and spared the best sheep, goats, and cattle in order to offer a sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we destroyed. So first he starts talking about the troops. Then he includes himself and say, when he talk about what was destroyed, blame shifting, number blame shifting, right? Like the troops did it on all their own. And if we go back a few verses, it said, but they were not willing. They included Saul. Hmm. Wow. Lying and blame shifting. Number five, the fifth way you know, you got that power and insecurity cocktail, you're heading toward narcissism. People get tired of you avoiding responsibility. In 1 Samuel 15, chapter 16, verse, it says, stop, exclaimed Samuel. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, he replied. So Saul, but Samuel asked Saul, why had he not followed the Lord's instructions? And Saul went into the blame shifting mode of talking about what the troops did and then how we destroyed all of that that I just read, right? And I guess Samuel just couldn't even take it anymore. He's just like, please, please stop. Just stop. Stop right now. I cannot handle this. I cannot handle handle rather the lies and deception and uh, just the deceit, right? I cannot handle this. Just stop right where you are. Just stop. I don't want to hear any more of it, right? So number five, people get tired of you avoiding responsibility. Number six, you become manipulative using deflection, minimization, invalidation, gaslighting, rejection, and blame shifting when you're confronted about your sin. That's the sixth way you know you got a what? Power, an insecurity cocktail headed toward narcissism. It says, Samuel continued, although you were once considered, you considered yourself unimportant, haven't you become the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and then sent you on a mission and said, go and completely destroy the sinful Amalekites. Fight against them until you have annihilated them. So why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush on a plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? And then in verse 20, Saul says, but I did obey the Lord. Saul answered, I went on the mission the Lord gave me. I brought back King Agag of Amalek and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. The troops took sheep, goats, and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was set apart for destruction, the sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Then Samuel said, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. And defiance is like wickedness and idolatry because you've rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. Saul answered Samuel. I have sinned. I have transgressed the Lord's command and your words because I was afraid of the people. I obeyed them. Then he go again. He admitted he's saying, but then he said what? Because I was afraid of the people, right? He had insecurities, but still once again, that blame shifted, right? Once again, that blame shifted and saying he obeyed them. They didn't put a gun in his head and tell them to do that. It said they were not willing. He was included in the day. They just weren't willing. They were willful. They wanted to do what they wanted to do, right? 
When our hearts get to the point of wanting to do what, what it wants to do, the will follows. They were willful, right? Number seven, the seven way you know that, that power and insecurity cocktail is heading towards narcissism. You think things are going to go back to status quo, but your position of power was taken from you. And in verse, uh, verses 25 through 29 of 1 Samuel 15, it says, Now, therefore, please forgive my sin and return with me so I can worship the Lord. Samuel replied to Saul, I will not return with you because you rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. When Samuel turned to go, Saul grabbed the corner of his robe and it tore. Samuel said to him, the Lord has taken the kingship of Israel away from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Now, I know that had to be food. I know they had to crush to let him know like somebody else's character is better than yours. Furthermore, the eternal one of Israel does not change or lie or change his mind. He's like, God, not a liar. So he's going to change his mind. <laughs> like, like, unlike you, he didn't say that, but it's like, unlike, you know, that was the, the undertone of it, right? Unspoken. For he is not a man who changes his mind. <laughs> Number eight, you still seek the limelight. You sin, and then all of this caused all this chaos and confusion, and you still trying to seek the limelight. That means you got a power insecurity cocktail you drank, you're heading toward a spirit of narcissism, right? It goes like my mother would tell me as a kid, you went in one ear and out the other, right? You still think you deserve honor after dishonoring God with your sin. And in 1 Samuel 15 and 30, it says, Saul said, I have sinned. Please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. Now, you know that that's really, I don't even have any words for that. He's worried about being honored before the elders and the people of Israel because he's the king and still keep their honor after he's done what he did. He, he thinks he still deserves being honored. Now, if that's not narcissistic, I don't know what it is. I want to remind you, you are enough, right? You don't have to drink a power insecurity cocktail and head on towards a spirit of narcissism because of that willfulness of the heart mind, the body, soul, the spirit. You are enough. Reclaim your power, soul, and identity. And reclaim the power, soul, and identity of your calling. Grab your keys to the kingdom and get your inheritance. Again, I am Katina Horton, the love and freedom toxic relationship recovery coach. Be blessed. I love you, family. Until next Never the same after he had died.
the love that refines. So much for me. 